Well, good morning. I have really enjoyed uh, being here and, and share time. So thank you all for what you've shared, and I have enjoyed being a part of that. Today I want to continue a series that I started kind of unintentionally. Um, I had shared, I don't, well, I won't ask you if you remember or not, but I had shared back in December just some of the things I was dealing with personally and looking at, at what was happening in the world had shared about conflict being an opportunity. And then uh, a few weeks back had looked at the idea of conflict being a slippery slope. And I want to say at the, at the onset of this, a lot of my thinking has been really influenced by Ken Sandy's ministry as a book called Peacemakers, a book for children pretty in-depth called Young Peacemakers. So a lot of what I'm sharing comes from his framework. But if he were here, I would probably cringe because I'm using his framework and taking, uh, taking it and kind of launching it uh, from there. So if that makes sense, I'm using a framework that I've found helpful and then looking at other scriptures and things related, uh, related to it. And as I reflect uh, just you know, on my life and some of the needs in my life, uh, part of what I'm sharing is just what God has been doing over the last number of years, a bit like Darren had mentioned. Uh, maybe it's a lot of writing or bigger picture. I'm not necessarily a writer, uh, but it is tied into a lot bigger things. So I want to just start uh, by doing a little bit of review before we get into today's topic. Um, today's topic is going to be called Conflict Starts in the Heart. And I am amazed at how much this has been talked about already the, today from a different angle. Uh, just looking at review, conflict as an opportunity. Um, it doesn't feel like an opportunity, I will say that. But we have an opportunity in every conflict to glorify God, to serve other people, and to grow to be more like Christ. Then uh, the, the, what we had looked at last time is the idea of conflict being a slippery slope, and we had used the board to draw kind of a half circle, and the one-third over here is going to be how we respond to conflict, if it's, if it's an attack to get what we want, or if it's a trying to avoid it was on this side, and so the only way to stay on top of the hill is through what God outlined. So on the one side, again, responding to conflict through the attack, we can do put-downs, gossip, fighting, quarreling, and the list can go, go on from there. On the other side of the equation is the escape where I deny conflict or I play the blame game. It's just not my fault, or I run away from conflict. On top of the hill, uh, where God wants us to be and helps us to be is the work it out zone, where we can overlook, where we can resolve directly, and we can get help um, to resolve. So that was looking at the idea of, of how do I respond to conflict. And today I want to ask the question, where does conflict come from in the first place? Where, what is the origin of this? And as you listen, I would just encourage you, there are big conflicts around us, whether it's in the world or in churches, there's big conflicts. So you can think in those terms, but also think in very small terms, just your day-to-day. -day. What happens in your heart? Um, how do you relate to, to conflict that comes up? Um, and so, so be thinking about that uh, as you listen. So it's not only the big conflict that we want to look at today. One thing I want to say right up front, um, so what, what is conflict? And very simply, it is often when, when people have desires that are opposing or when our desires are not met, it does result in conflict. So just think about a conflict is often an unmet desire. And it can be caused by intentional things that hurt us, and it can be caused by accidents. If you listen to children playing, how many times does conflict erupt and one of the first words is, it was an accident. 
we all choose how we respond uh, to those kinds of things. But it, it often comes down to um, desires that aren't met. And again, conflict, I want you to hear me say and be very clear up front, conflict is not inherently bad. That we actually need to have healthy conflict that is resolved um, in a good way. I'll give you just an example of this. So let's do a quick poll. Um, and you can raise your hand on this. So if I ask you, how many of you prefer to be spontaneous? You just, you don't really want to plan ahead, but in the moment, you kind of want to do what sounds fun versus over here, I'd like to have everything spelled out and on my calendar. All of us who prefer some spontaneity. Okay. Who prefers to be pretty planned out and scheduled? All right. So right here, we'd have some conflict to work through. Let's, let's go on another one, and Nate and I are going to be opposed on this one. Who prefers to work in the morning, and who prefers to work at night? Okay, I'm a night guy. Who else likes to work at night? All right, early morning people. We're split about 50-50 on these. Um, I don't know if I want to touch this one. All right, let's, let's talk about songs that we sing. I love singing new songs and particularly choruses that are more vertically aligned, specifically me to God, or the longer, the older, you know, the older, the better, the more rich, the, the, they've stood the test of time versus God tells us to sing a new song. Who prefers kind of the chorus, vertical, new song approach? Okay. Who prefers the older, like these songs stood the test of time approach? I feel very alone in this one. I pretty firmly like the new song idea, but anyway, we'll leave that alone. Um, let's go for, this, is, this shows up for children all the time. If you're ordering pizza, do you want cheese pizza or supreme? All the cheese pizza people, raise your hand. I don't understand. Okay, everybody that would like supreme pizza. Okay. I hope you get the point that conflict is not bad. It is just part of, of everyday life, and uh, we have to figure out how to work through it. I was listening to a podcast this week by um, Patrick Lencioni. He's a Christian and a business, he does great work in business consulting. And he says when he works with companies and when he works with churches who are unable to talk about conflict, eventually over time it moves from the issue to between people. Does that make sense? If a group of people or two people can debate the issue well, the conflict stays at an issue level. When they're not able to do that, it almost always moves to a people level. And I found that very um, sobering to think through and, and challenging. So, conflict is not all bad, but conflict, conflict often is bad or can come from bad places. So I, I just wanted to do this so you understand it's not bad, but what we're talking about today is the conflict that, that turns toxic and is not helpful. And instead of two people trying to figure out the best path forward, opposing parties end up um, in conflict with each other. I want to just start, invite your attention to Luke 12. I'm not going to read the story. I'll just tell you a story. So when Jesus was here, and I don't know the background of this, but in, in the uh, first verse of chapter 12, it says there were so many people following him that they were starting to trample each other. So that's the context. And somebody in the crowd has a question for Jesus. And just think through, you know, you could ask for healing, you could ask about theology, all of these things. You know what's on this guy's mind? Hey, uh, teacher, my brother is not giving me the money I deserve from the inheritance. 
Could you take care of the problem? Can you imagine, in this context, this many people around, and that's what's on his mind? And Jesus responds and, and says, who made me a judge or an arbitrator over you? And then he turns, and it, I get the feeling he looks at everybody else, including this man, and he says, take heed and guard your own heart against all covetousness, for one's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. And one thing I'll say from personal experience and from the story, when we're stuck in conflict, it is just what's on our brain. And even in this context, this man wanted to get his side worked out. He's, he's wanting Jesus to just, come on, fix this. Can't you see that I'm right here? And what Jesus said to him is what I hear him saying to me again and again is, actually, let's talk about your heart first and then maybe deal uh, with the issue. Okay, um, and I've, I will say up front as well, um, I like to be pretty closely tied to Scripture. I'm not going to be that today. There will be Scripture at the end out of James 3 and 4 that I hope you see the, the principles coming out. So I just want to, we are going to go there, but I do want to talk about a few things leading up to there, and I hope it all <clears throat> becomes clear. So again, conflict starts in the heart, and when we talk about the heart today, we're just talking about our desires, what we want, what motivates us, what we love. And um, at the risk of, of distracting everybody from how my heart would look, I'm just going to draw a circle down there. Um, and so that we're talking about our heart and what comes out of it. And so what happens is we all have, in our heart, we have desires. And these desires then turn into choices that we make. They turn into actions. They turn into words. So... It starts down here in our heart, and uh, you know, we'll just we'll say, here's a tree that comes up, and these are our hearts, and they show whatever our desires are will work itself out in, and we'll call this our fruit or choices, you know, however we want to talk about this, but primarily it, it comes out in our choices, the choices that we make. Um, and this all flows, this all flows out of our heart. One thing I will say is when we get into conflict and when things happen, it's easy to feel like these choices and the words that come out of our mouth, did we really have a choice in them? It, it can feel a lot like a reaction. But what comes out of our mouth and the choices that we make are always our responsibility. And they did flow through coming through our heart um, and coming out that way. So I want to just look at a few verses related to the heart um, before we get into into some other things in James. So this is Jesus in Mark 7. And he said, What comes out of a person is what defiles him. For from within, out of the heart of man, come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, coveting, wickedness, deceit, sensuality, envy, slander, pride, foolishness. All of these evil things come from within, and they defile a person. Jaron read this this morning out of Proverbs 4. Keep your heart with all vigilance, for from it flow the springs of life. And so illustrated very simply um, for the children and, and hopefully for the rest of us, God is saying that above all else we need to guard our heart. And if this cup of water you know, represents my life and this bottle of water represents my heart, out of my heart is what's going to fill my life. And... What's in my heart will determine 
what is in my life, if this is good water or not. So we need to guard our heart because it is the very, it's the very spring of life. It's where, uh, what, what flows out of us. Luke 6, Jesus says, For no good tree bears bad fruit, nor again does a bad tree bear good fruit. For each tree is known by its own fruit. For figs are not gathered from thorn bushes, nor are grapes picked from a bramble bush. The good person out of the good treasure of his heart produces good, and the evil person out of his evil treasure produces evil. For out of the abundance of the heart his mouth speaks. So pretty clear, if I'm wanting to, to pick some figs or wanting to pick grapes, I will not go looking at a thorn bush and expect to get that fruit. So what's in our heart does manifest itself. Our desires come out in choices and in fruit and in actions. Circling back to the, to the verse, the one thing that catches me is, or catches my attention here is the good person talks about out of the good treasure of their heart is, is where the fruit comes. And the treasure has the idea of it's something that you've made deposits in. It's, it's how, what we place in our heart, what we store in our heart is going to manifest itself in how we handle conflict and even what conflicts we create. So it, is, it comes down to what we, have, what we have in our heart and what we've put in our heart. And then Jesus goes on to say that out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And let's just fill this cup up a little bit more. And if, if it overflows, you know what? The only thing that's coming out of this cup is what is already in it. And that so often happens as we talk. It actually happens all the time when we talk. What's inside just comes out, and it, it isn't any other way. We know that. Um, that we, what's in the heart comes out in words, and it comes out in choices and actions um, that we make. Okay, so let's go back over here. Um, my marker is not showing up real well. And on this one side, uh, we're just going to put, here is a heart that is centered on God, centered on loving God, centered on pleasing God. And over here is a heart that is centered on self or on selfishness. And so when, when we think about conflict and these desires, if my heart is rooted in God and pleasing God and loving God, what kind of fruit are going to come out? What kind of fruits will manifest themselves? What choices will be made? And then on the other side of the thing, if, if I have selfishness in my heart and the desires and the roots are there, what is the fruit that that's going to produce? Um, so let's just let's talk about a few examples of this. So on the one side here, if I have pride over here in, this, in my heart, what kind of fruit of conflict comes out of pride? Is there a lot of conflict that has a root in pride? I mean, we could list, we could fill the board with a list of examples, right? Compared to if my heart is centered on God and God allows me to be humble. Or what if it is, what if there's envy over here compared to contentment? What kind of fruits are going to show up in my life? And so the, what I want us to notice today is that in any conflict, I'm not saying conflict is wrong, but often, often we contribute to conflict by having roots of some kind of a selfish desire or sinful desire that is going to come up the tree and is going to create conflict. And so whenever we find ourselves in a conflict, I think we have to ask God to examine our heart. What's the root of this? 
What literally is causing this? And particularly if I find myself getting into similar types of conflict, then maybe I need to realize, well, I'm the common denominator here. And what, what, is the, what is the root that's producing the fruit? So again, I mean, this is so important for us as parents. It's important for all of us just to look and to be honest. What is the root of our heart? What really do we want? And that drives our choices. And so often we can look at the choices and the conflict and the things that are happening, but let's let God uh, take us back to the root and see what's going on there. Does that make sense? We could talk for a long time about that and give a lot of examples of how that works. So, Okay, so I want us just to have this, this framework in mind that conflict does start in the heart and that often, not always, but often, it is driven by some type of selfish desire or root that will create a conflict. Um, and now I will warn you, we're going to shift gears a little bit here, and I'm going to use strong language to talk about these things because God uses very strong language. So um, the other thing I want us just to think through here in, in what we want and our desires that come out and how we handle things is let's just talk about idols and how an idol progresses, it goes through four steps. And this is coming directly from Ken Sandy. So the first thing that happens in an idol is the phrase, I desire. And we've talked about this a little bit. A desire is, can be good or bad. A desire is not necessarily bad. God does want us to, have, to be passionate, to have desires and those things. But, but it starts out with a desire. And it can be, we need to allow God to determine, is this a good desire or a bad desire? So we all have things that we desire, and if you remember the definition of conflict is often when desires are not met. So after that, it moves to, let's say that we have a desire that's not met, and pretty quickly we find ourselves going into, I demand, that this is a legitimate desire, and I want it, and I need it to be happy, and so I'm going to demand that it's met. Now, if we move into demanding something we want, does that create conflict? Absolutely, it creates a lot of conflict. So I will just say, at the point that you have a desire that you find not being met, at least for me, that is very critical ground where I go next with a desire that's not met. Um, one, just one example that I thought about to illustrate kind of how that is, uh, when we were, Nicole and I were dating, we went canoeing uh, with the youth group. Neither of us had done much canoeing, and we were going down a relatively just kind of flat river with not a lot of white water. We came up to some rapids, and at the last minute I thought, well, this is awesome. We're finally hitting something kind of exciting, and even though we're pretty far over this direction and the rapids are over here, we're going to try to steer our canoe over that direction to get in on the fun. Nicole was not a fan, but I was like, here we go, and we started paddling and making the, making the turn. We made it to the rapids, but we did not have time to then turn and go the right direction, to point straight down the rapids. So we hit them sideways. Um, very shortly thereafter, we found ourselves, the canoe was gone. We were standing in water about up to our waist, and it was moving fast enough, and there were enough rocks around that at that point, I was actually a little bit worried how we're going to get out of there without getting hurt. Nicole looked at me, and we're, the boat is gone. I'm not really saying anything, and she's like, 
well, it's not like I want to stand out here forever with you in this river, but what are we going to do? <laughs> we had very, well, legitimate conflict, and it was my fault. Um, anyway, thankfully we got rescued and everything was okay, but that's kind of a picture for me when, when I have a desire that's not met. You're standing in current that your next step is so important, and it's so easy to get completely off balance and end up somewhere you don't. You don't want to land when your desire is not met, um, and you, yeah, you can end up in a bad spot. So you can move into I demand. That means that I deserve it, I have to have it, and we can really start dwelling on, on what we want at that point and demand it. When people are not willing to meet our demands, uh, then we move into I judge. I judge. So this is your fault. You owe it to me. It's the least that you could do. You know, we really judge other people. And again, think about the conflict that develops if idolatry is in our heart. It is going to create conflict. So we criticize. We say things like you, you know, maybe always and fill in the blank. Um, in this zone, it's very easy to put expectations on other people that may or may not be fair. And a book that I read, this quote just stuck with me, and I think about it so often. Um, it's in Emotional Healthy Christianity, Peter Cesaro, I think. He makes the comment that an expectation is not legitimate unless both people agree to it. An expectation is not legitimate unless both people agree to it. If I'm just putting an expectation on you, or you putting one on me, um, we have a tendency to judge and to not treat each other fairly. Um, and then, unfortunately, this moves into the last step, which is I punish. So when we don't get what we want, we demand it. If that doesn't work, we'll judge other people that won't give it, and then we will find a way to punish people that, uh, to try to get what we want. And that can be in obvious ways. That can be in subtle ways. Um, again, I feel like we should probably unpack this a bit, um, but it does it does seem like conflict moves into that, that order. And it becomes um, idolatry where we demand what we want. One of the statements that Ken Sandy makes is that an idol always demands a sacrifice. Idols always demand sacrifice, and that's where the, the I punish thing comes in. Um, John Piper said that sin is what we do when we are not fully satisfied in God. Sin is what we do and we're not fully satisfied in God. So again, what I want us to hear is that where are the roots and the desires of our heart? Because they turn into choices. And if left unchecked, they actually turn into idols um, that will control us in the end. Okay. I would like us to look at... Uh, well, and here's a picture of of what I'm trying to illustrate over here, that there's all of these root systems underneath plants, underneath trees, that really do bring, bring the nutrients and drive what happens at the top of the tree. <clears throat> I'd like us to shift gears a bit here and look at, at James 3 and James 4 um, as we wrap up. And I think what I'm going to do is read through the passage and then come back and make some comments about, um, about it. What I'm, uh, what I'm about to read is, 
It's actually all one paragraph. If you didn't have chapters and verses, this is one paragraph. Who is wise and understanding among you? By his good conduct, let him show his works in the meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast and be false to the truth. This is not the wisdom that comes down from above, but is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder in every vile practice. But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. And a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. What causes quarrels and what causes fights among you? Is it not this, that your passions are at war within you? You desire and do not have, so you murder. You covet and cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. You do not have because you do not ask. You ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passions. You adulterous people, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Or do you suppose it is to no purpose that the scripture says he yearns jealously over the spirit that he has made to dwell in us, but he gives us more grace? Therefore, it says God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Be wretched and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will exalt you. I thought it's important for us to realize that those verses that we hear isolated, that is, that's the paragraph that they're written in. Just wanted to highlight a few things here. In, in chapter 3, where he's talking about the tongue, and he highlights that where there's jealousy and selfish ambitions in the roots, the fruit is always going to be disorder and every vile practice. And we could, yeah, lots we could say about all this, but we just want to go down to this. He's saying what causes the quarrels and what causes the fight. So this is not, I want to be clear, this is not just the everyday conflict we talked about. This is where there is conflict and actual um, where people, instead of being for each other and trying to work things out, are at this point against each other. And we can quickly move into that. He says, what causes these things? And it's a, he says, it's your passions or your desires that war in you. Um, Peter talks about our desires actually being at war against our soul. So again, not all of our passions or desires are bad, but they're at war within us. And isn't it interesting? He says, what causes these things? And again, he points us back to our hearts. What's happening in our hearts? What's at the root here? So we desire and don't have, and then how do we go about getting it? And he uses language that is so extreme, but I think it does illustrate where the sin ultimately leads if taken all the way to its conclusion. So I hope we don't get lost in saying, well, I'm not, you know, I hope we don't get lost in the extreme language of it. So we desire and we don't have, and so we really just say, I'm going to get it my own way. And I want something that I can't be happy without, and so I'm going to fight and quarrel for it. And isn't it interesting, God says, you don't have these things because you don't ask. And so at the very center of this, God wants a heart that says, 
I just want you. I want to please you, and I want you to meet my needs. And he's saying, if you ask, I actually will fulfill your desires or will take care of you. But then he says that sometimes we ask and, and we're want, we have selfish ambitions. We want to just take the blessing and use it on our own. And then he, as a good father, can't, he can't grant that request. So I want to just um, do one more thing here on the board. Uh, I hope this can make sense. So in, in reading what God has said about our desires, and I love Scripture how in-depth it is, and it just covers everything. It's so nuanced. So anyway, let's, so in, the, in these first verses, God says we have a desire, and I'll say that's what we want. Um, he also talks about the method of, of getting that desire or how we want that need met. Um, and then he also talks about our motives or why we want that met. And then we'll just do two columns here. I'm just going to abbreviate this and say this is a good reason, this is a bad reason, or however, whatever other word you want to put to it. And so from these verses and from what we're learning, we can have desires that are good, totally good desires, and there are some desires that are bad. And when it comes to conflict, obviously if we have bad desires, it's going to create, um, create conflict. So we can have good or bad desires. What Jesus is saying is, can I have a good desire that I go about having met in a wrong way. Yeah, he's saying we can. So maybe there's a good desire that I'm going about getting it met in the wrong way. Or why do I want this? Why do I want this um, thing met? And maybe that can be bad. And so Jesus, God is really wanting to look at our heart and what is it that we want? Why do we want it? And what are we willing to do to try to get it? And again, the whole message that I hear is have God at the center of our heart. Let him take care of us. Trust him to meet our needs. And as we pour out our desires to God, he's going to cleanse our, our desires and what we want. Um, I was trying to think of what is a good desire. Well, yeah, what's an example of a good desire that maybe we want for the wrong reason or go about in the wrong way? So let's say I want my children to sit quietly during church. That's a great desire, and maybe the reason is so that you know, learning to be respectful and, and others can worship well. What if I go about getting that met in a very ungodly way? Or what if the real reason I want my children to sit quietly is just because I want people to think good of me? Do you see how this can end up in bad places? And we could use lots and lots of examples here of what we want, how we go about getting it, and, and why we want it. So we need, uh, we need the Lord to, to sift through that and to, to be honest about what is at, our, at the root for us. Then going on uh, in, this, in the passage, he uses extremely strong language for people who are willing to meet their desires outside of God. He calls, us, he calls it adultery, and he literally calls it being God's enemy and being a friend of the world. And at the end of this, we end up, if we go down that road, we actually end up opposing God himself. Because it says God opposes the proud. A proud heart says, I'm going to get what I want my own way. And God says, I oppose that, but I give grace to the humble who are willing to put me at the center. And then he goes on, and this is the part that we often lift out, you know, rightfully so. But if I was to, to summarize this and kind of paraphrase what he's saying here, 
It's submitting to God's care, fighting the real enemy who is Satan, repenting, and living humbly. And submitting to God and allowing him to meet my needs. Uh, then he does go on. The next paragraph talks about judging, judging our brother and what we are willing um, to say against our brother. So again, in summary, what I want us to hear is just that conflict starts in the heart and that what is in our heart at the roots comes out and will show up in choices and in fruit. And through God's help, we can watch for idols and to be honest about really what do we desire and why do we want it and what are we willing um, to do to try to have those needs met. All right, thank you for listening. I feel like we covered a whole lot of ground um, yeah, I appreciate you sticking with me on that, and I hope that I hope it can be helpful and that God, as we find ourselves in situations, that we can allow God to examine our heart and what is there. Um, a very hopeful psalm in relation to all of this is Psalm 37. Um, if you, I think that's a good thing to read compared to this, and and I'm not going to take time to read all of that um, at this point, but it does talk about finding our security in God, allowing God to meet the very desires of our heart and what he, what he promises to do with that. So Psalm 37, 1 through 9, um, I think is a good, a good thing to read related to all of this. All right, um, let's stand for prayer. I want to pray um, God's blessing on this and also um, on the lunch that is downstairs and outside. I expect they'll give us some instructions on that. Lord Jesus, thank you for who you are. God, thank you that you're a good father, that you want to meet our needs. Um, Lord, I confess that it's so easy for me and so easy for all of us, I believe, to, to have selfish desires and desires that um, we try to meet maybe outside of you or in our own way. And God, I pray that we could just trust you and that at the very core of our heart, uh, we could want nothing more than to love you to follow you, to serve you, and, and allow you to take care of us. Um, Father, I pray that in your grace you would reveal idols. Lord, they're hard, they're hard for us to see, hard for us to admit. Um, and our motives need to be laid bare before you and your word, and we need you to sift through all of that. Um, so God, would you do that work in our heart? Lord, thank you that we can uh, spend time together as a church, have lunch together. Um, we thank you for the food and ask that you would bless both the food and our time together uh, from here. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen.